0: Devils DJs <laughs> Man Oh yeah dropping loads <laughs> Oh <yeah>. dropping loads. <laughs> Grilled. Grilled. <laughs> All right what's up and uh, welcome hey. It is dropping loads with Manning and Mo. There's uh, Nick Manning right there. Nick Manning, adult film superstar, Hall of Famer, Mister. I'll say drop loads, aren't I? Serious name sure. of the podcast. Like I can get away sure. with saying that, correct? Sure. <laughs> all right. Very good. Yeah. We 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 have A V N Hall of Famer. I <laughs> guess we do. Yes, we do. Um. Uh, oh, by the way, Nick Manning, all of his stuff right now. Uh, you can find it. It's at real Nick Manning at Fan it's at real Nick Manning at many um, vids and uh, at real Nick Manning just for fans as well. Of course, your Twitter is at real Nick Manning. The Twitter for the website is uh, at dropping loads M And of course, it's brought to you by the body shop. Enhancement facilities when it comes to relationships in Canton, Ohio. And, of course, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as well. Basically, it's a swingers club is what it is. Um, You can find our podcast everywhere. Like our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. uh, Again, and check out Nick Manning at Real Nick Manning Fan Centro. Many vids and and also uh, just for fans. And uh, possibly coming up here very shortly. I I wanted to get on with you today because um, you texted me yesterday. And uh, said, you know, tweet out, uh, rest in peace, Larry Flint. And I don't know if I ever told you that, but when you texted me that yesterday, I got to thinking, I said, we got to get on and talk about Larry Flint because he's one of the people that I admire in this world. And what I mean by that is it's not because of the hustler and the smart, although it is a Right. The first scene I ever saw you in was a hustler, barely legal. That was, yeah. the, that was the first one ever I saw you when you were, when you were the cowboy. Um, but not just for the smut aspect of it, but what Larry Flint did for freedom of speech, you know, more than just the sex stuff. And, I, you know, not that I really want to get into all of this, but with what's going on now in this country. I, I think it's relevant and I'd be curious to know what Larry Flint would even think about this because, you know, I know Larry Flint was, you know, not a, um, a Trump supporter or, or a, uh, a Republican by any means, you know, but he was obviously, you know, a, a big proponent of freedom of speech. And it seems as though that a lot of, you know, a lot of freedom of speech has been taken away, um, so you know when I when I you know, I read on Larry Flint, I saw the movie, which I thought was a great movie, The People versus Larry Flint. There was so much of that movie that resonated with me, and also was going through my head yesterday. And then I was like, Nick knew Larry Flint. Like you knew him. You did uh, you know, thousands of movies for his company, and I, I'm actually more than anything, more than you banging Janine, <laughs> I'm more envious of the fact that you you knew Larry Flint. Yeah. Who's who's an icon, a a pioneer you know, for freedom of speech. And I just kind of wanted to get your take and and kind of stories or just how what kind of person was he in in real life? And you know, I'll just kind of let you talk about that. I think that's it's amazing to have you on and and talk about a guy that you knew.
1: Well, it's funny because I'd be out places with yeah, friends of mine, or whatever, or my business partners, or and people would come up to them because I'm pretty not approachable, and be like, "Oh, what's it like? Would be with Manning?" And I mean, their canned response to strangers would be, "Well, Manning's uh, Hugh Hefner and Larry Flint, but he's just young enough to enjoy it." So, uh, both of those people are now in the grave and, you know, uh, in both regards and respects, they had, I guess, a very significant influence on my life and career. Um, you know, uh, I have so many Larry Flint stories, but, I guess going back to the very beginning of my career before I uh even had shot any movies I'd been in two magazines and uh they were playgirl magazines that had boy girls in those and but really my career was as a model and an actor and the photographer for those layouts I mean I did like one a year they won one year and won the next right. year and he's like hey man i'm gonna send you out to la and i'm friends with all these photographers who shoot for their magazines and uh we'll get you hooked up with penthouse and hustler and we and Cher- all of them i mean back when i started magazines right. where you go to a magazine rack and there were 300 different adult mags there like at a 7-eleven right. or a bookstore <laughs> or something right so uh Right away, I went out and I shot with Clive McClain. You mentioned Barely Legal. And he shot me for Hustler Magazine uh, long before I was ever in that Barely. That was three years prior to me shooting in that Barely Legal. So when uh, I'd shot with Clive, he asked me to come down to the Larry Flint LFP office and uh, have a meeting with him and some other staff photographers and some other uh, uh, freelance photographers that shot for Hustler and all the magazines that Hustler owned, uh, or at least distributed. So there was probably seven or eight different photographers in this meeting, and I guess Larry was got wind that I was in the building or whatever, and he said he wanted to meet me. So they took me to his office and I met his wife and his nephews and whoever the his brother or whoever was working there. And I spent maybe half an hour with the guy. And I was like, kind of like it's like this surreal moment where you know about this dude. And now all of a sudden, like out of nowhere you're sitting in his office talking to him.
0: And, uh, this is so wild to hear, Nick, this is so wild to hear, to, to see, this is wild to hear to see you start, like, I was going to ask you before if you've ever been starstruck or whatever in front of anybody or whatever, and it's just like you just said, It's maybe you're not starstruck, but it's, it was a surreal moment for you. It's just cool to hear you talk about a surreal moment, I guess.
1: Well, it's kind of like, okay, like I told my friends when I, I mean, the whole Motorhead story and how I started hanging around with Lemmy, like, I was always a fan. I mean, banging iron, listening to Motorhead. And (laughs) so, I mean, all my friends were listening to it. Uh, We'd give each other Motorhead tapes and CDs for birthdays and shit. And one day, I'm at a premiere of a movie of mine, and Lemmy asked if he could come to a mutual Mm -hmm. acquaintance of ours. And so they're sitting, having dinner with me at my table. And we became fast friends. I yeah, started going right. to all the con- But I remember calling my friends. I'm like, uh, you guys never under- believe this, <laughs> but I'm hanging out at the rainbow with Le- Lemmy. Bullshit. No, you're no not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Because uh, these things happen in LA. And it's people get the idea that it's happening because it's like, oh, it's no, dude. We just all live there. So you stumble across people right. because they live there, right? So get back right. to Larry. <laughs> we had that conversation, and then uh, you know he'd invite me to all the parties. Uh, he put me in tons of magazines and movies, and I mean we just had a very uh, cordial but friendly relationship. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm like not like we were tight. Uh, I remember one particular story, he had that Hustler Casino and I used to go play cards there anyway, but they had some sort of an event and he invited me and I went and I was playing at the same table with my distributor and I was literally wearing sunglasses and my robe. And uh, some guy, the <laughs> guy at the table who wasn't an adult, says to my distributor, he's like, what's with the getup?" He goes, uh, Manning gets chilly. And when that story got back (laughs) to Larry, Larry thought that was fucking funny as fuck that I was playing in my fucking bathrobe. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, some other stories about the guy. It's, uh, you know, that at one point they had hustler contract girls. Jessica James was their first hustler contract girl. You actually knew one of those girls from Ohio, I worked with her. I can't remember her name.
0: Was it uh, Shauna Lane?
1: No, before that. She was from Ohio. You knew who she was. I think you might have had her on the show and you asked her about the scene we did together. Uh, she
0: was oh, I I'm I don't remember to... her. Oh, you know what? You know what? You know what's funny? That was in uh was that Memphis Monroe? Yes.
1: Yes. Memphis Monroe.
0: You know where that was? That was in Louisville, Kentucky. That was in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Memphis Monroe, her and I were pretty good friends. And yeah, then I yeah, yeah, but, then I ended up hooking up a scene with you guys.
1: Yeah, and I think that was that she was a hustler contract girl, right? I, that was for them. Okay. That, I yeah, that I, that I'm not when, sure. When Jessica James uh got her hustler contract, she was like, "I want to work with Manning and we're going to Hawaii." So, you know, Larry uh, had someone call me from his office, and he was on speaker uh, telling me that they offered her the contract and that they were going to do this and that and the other thing, and she wanted me to do uh, her first scene for Hustler. And uh, oh, wow. I, wound up, I wound up shooting for Cash Markman for Hustler. Uh, we went to Hawaii every year for three or four straight years and shot over there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, just,
0: I mean, it, that's amazing. It's like. I can't. Go wait, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no I was just going to oh, say, I, here, I'm right? sitting here thinking. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm sitting here thinking, and I recall, like, back when I was still just doing magazines, like, they would call me and tell me that I had a check waiting. And I'd go wait in the little LFP office in like these little leather chairs and eventually I'd be reading through the hustler (laughs) magazines, looking at my layouts and, uh, somebody would come out and hand me my check. And it was like so different than how things operate now,
0: you know? Well, my God, it it was almost what it almost seemed like simple. What? Like you just went in and got your check and went home. It was like a, a, a much easier process. Oh yeah,
1: and like I, I mean, I didn't mind like taking that drive down there. You know, you're driving around in a Jag convertible in LA. It's like, uh, let's go enjoy the weather and get paid.
0: Right? Wow, man, that's just an amazing thing. I remember. Did you ever watch the movie The People versus Larry Flint?
1: Yeah, yeah. Woody Harrelson was he great.
0: He's of course Larry Flint was playing the judge. But I, I wanted, there, there's a, a scene in that movie that I, I've, I've used as a, I, I'm just when I talk about life in general, when he's in that convention center and he's, he's giving that speech about freedom, about freedom, freedom of speech or whatever, and he's showing up behind him, he's showing the pictures of the naked girls, and then he's showing pictures of war and death and destruction. You know, and he goes, "Why is it you know Time Magazine can show you know a, a death or a murder or a war or decapitation? or will show a picture of a of a boob, and go, but this is wrong. This is considered yeah, obscene, I, and it it never.
1: Well, when go, I think of that text, when I think of that text yesterday. I was just sitting on the couch, and the way I found out that Larry was dead was Duke Mulholland, who is the producer of my biopic, which ironically you launched on many vids yesterday. Uh right, yeah. Sent me a text, Rip Larry Flint, and he showed pictures of him like uh wrangling Larry at the AVN Awards. Like that was his job as as a set PA, right? And uh Right, I right away, texted you, and right. I was just sitting on the couch. I'm like, life seems very strange without Larry Flint in it somehow.
0: That's like, why, like, why, why, like, why? Because you knew him, or like, like it's just kind of try to explain that.
1: Well, it's just like the passing of an era, right? It's kind of like. And recently, I mean, not recently, but over the past several years, a lot of people that were icons of my era, Eddie Van Halen, Jessica James, Larry Flint, Hugh Hefner, other people I'm not mentioning have died, and it just seems odd that they're not here. Yeah. Damn. Right, I mean, like when you're used Too to, real you're for used you to because... picking up the phone, when you're used to picking up the phone and talking to somebody, or you're used to getting calls from them, and then you realize that that's never going to happen again. It's kind of uh, ominous.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like you're, you've lost people that you knew, like you said that you that you were you you had. You know, not a like you said, not like a best friend relationship with, but you had memories with, and you know, and these people are icons. I mean, Eddie Van Halen's an icon, obviously. Hugh Hefner, Jesse James, you know, Larry Flynt, you know, uh,
1: Filthy Phil. Don't let me too. Like all these cats. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's more that I can't even think of off the top of my head, but it's like these people had at least, if you don't call them significant roles in my life. Uh, I would just say that they had a role in my life, and now that's not there.
0: Right. Well, it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. got to be tough for you. You know, knowing, knowing these people, and you know, I mean, and, and, and the first a Relationship one, with them.
1: The first one that I can remember that ever like kind of struck me was Chloe Jones. Because, one, Uh I was very young at the time, and she was young at the time. And it was like, I was really close to Chloe Jones. We hung out a lot. And then just one day, Uh she wasn't alive. You know, it's kind of like, whoa.
0: You know? Now, being a, being a religious guy, though, like you're very religious, what do you think about about, about death or whatever? I mean, your, your mentality is they're in a better place, are you, are you correct?
1: Well, uh, according to God, there's two types of people. They're saved and unsaved. And if you're saved, you're in a better place. If you're not, well, I right. guess that's up for you to decide with him at judgment day. Right. It's like I don't know what happens. Right. Uh the you know, I'm I've said many times I'm an apocalypticist. Both Jesus and John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul, even, all were proponents of the body is a prison to overcome. And Jesus and John the Baptist died right. at 33 and that's kind of like the uh i mean in like jewish mysticism that's uh like the number of perfection physically so uh uh, they were not big on oh let's live to be a hundred like live fast sort out your purpose accomplish it and get back to heaven
0: Oh, there you and
1: go. that's why I'm very interested in the rapture happening. Like now let's go. And people get <laughs> pissed at me when I'm <laughs> like, like, Oh, I'll like, tell oh, you oh, what, you wanna we, get out of here and die. And then I'm like, uh, it's no reflection on you, but if you believe that heaven is better, uh, let's get on with it. You
0: know what? The, the way shit is on this world man i i don't disagree with that i i don't know what the what, what is I, it happens in the afterlife but i'm thinking just being a worm buffet is better than what's, what's going on right now in this fucked up world well, uh and people all
1: <laughs> people i'll share this with they're like well manny you have a great life well maybe i do but um are you comparing my life to what's promised to us in heaven like I don't care how great right. your fucking
0: <laughs> life is; it's got to be better in heaven. <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. If life is better in heaven than Nick Manning's life on Earth, then I agree. Let, let, let the meteor heels now, right? Because I want to live that life. <laughs> Absolutely, hundred percent. I've always said. I go. I. I, uh, I don't know what I believe, but I know I've been a pretty decent person. So. You know, if there is a heaven, then I'm thinking I I will probably end up there. I, I'm thinking I will. Who the hell knows? Though? I have no idea. I've always felt there should be four people in heaven, and one of them is going to be like Tim Tebow, <laughs> and like after a couple John, of four old women, and that'll be it.
1: <laughs> after John the Baptist got beheaded or thrown in prison at some point, there, Jesus told his disciples. He said, "Of." Any man born of woman, there is no prophet greater than John the Baptist that their eyes should not be diverted from him. Yet I tell you, even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So that tells you what's interesting us talking about between the
0: environments. Right. Absolutely. You know what's interesting, even with us with us talking about the religion aspect, there you know, there was that time in Larry Flint's life where he he became religious. He was doing the magazine, but he had become he had become religious. And I, I thought that was interesting. It almost seemed like he was, you know. When when you're that creative or intelligent or whatever, I think your mind is always searching for something else. You know, it's just how Your mind works should obviously be as successful as Larry Flint was. I I assume that that's how his mind worked. He was always searching and looking, you know, for something else. So you know, he he went through that that religious, you know, aspect of his life. You know, then of course he went after um, who was the uh the preacher that he said he had sex with his 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 mom.
1: Oh yeah, I can't. He got sued for one of the
0: great greatest of all. He was like the best of all was it Reverend Bill, was it Billy Graham? Reverend Billy Graham. I, I don't no, remember who he Graham was. But, you know. No, Billy Graham
1: never did anything wrong, man. Was it
0: Jimmy Swagger? Well, yeah, what I'm saying. I it wasn't Jimmy Swagger, but I'm saying like you have or um ever Larry Flint did a, a parody of this guy having sex with his mom. The, the person didn't really have sex with his mom, but it was one of those things. And oh um, Jerry Falwell. You know, yeah, that's Jerry Falwell. You know he yeah. he, had, he had, you know he had that thing and then there was there was suing or whatever. And what I found interesting about that, you know, the thing about Larry Flint too was, you know, he was shot, he was paralyzed, you know, at, at a very young age, and he was shot by a guy who was a serial killer. I don't even know if you know that he was a white supremacist no. serial killer, and he shot, he, yeah, he shot Larry Flint, and Larry Flint's lawyer. And one of the reasons he went after Larry Flint was number one, the publicity, of it. but but number two, you know, because Larry Flint was one of the first people that was. Putting interracial stuff in in his magazine as well, and again, you know, you think about this and the times of that. You know, that's the what, late seventies, early eighties. You know, and it's it's interesting to look back on that, like, you know, that shit wasn't uh, acceptable back then. You know, it, it still was. It's it's hard to believe. It's like it, it was the eighties. It's like I, I don't understand that mentality, but. It was very ballsy to do that shit, you know, to, to to do something that you felt was right, but a lot of people felt was, was wrong, including, like I said, a white supremacist, a serial killer, you know, shot and paralyzed him, you know. So to have that kind of guts to, to still, you know, stand by your principles and almost literally put your life on the line for what you believe. An amazing thing and that's why i said that's why i, I i'm so I have, I have such admiration for larry flint because you know he did it but he, he, he put his life in line he got shot for it and he still continued to do it and live live by his principles um and one of the, again one of the best scenes in the movie you know see, was real life was you know when his lawyer who's played by edward norton is talking about this in front of the supreme court you know, and he, he says, listen, I don't like what Larry Flynn does. I don't like Larry Flynn's. I don't like him. I don't. I think it's just. It's right to do it. I, I, Nick, I'm telling you, I think we have lost that message in. Society. And it's a, it's a scary thing for me because if you talk about, you know, money and taking whatever, you know, that's out of my pocket, because it's like you get be uh opinionated in, in these times you 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 can't say what's on your mind you you have to tiptoe around no nobody takes context into consideration it's like your opinion's okay as long as it doesn't differ from mine and that's not what the first amendment is about the first amendment is about defending something that you, that you that you detest, but you defend it because you have the right to do it because it's a free country. Well, and I gotta, that scene in that movie say, really, I, you know. As you're saying
1: this, I'm almost laughing to myself because, like, I can tell you one thing: as long as we're doing this podcast, I'm gonna say whatever the fuck I want. And if anybody's got a problem <laughs> with anything I fucking say, uh, I'll draw a little circle in the street, and I'll write alpha in there, and I'm going to stand in there. And any motherfuckers want to come knock me out of the circle, see what happens next. <laughs> right. So I'll well, I I'll do what yeah, I want. Yeah. I'm not looking for approval, because here's what I know. No matter what you do, somebody's got a problem with it. So I stopped right. caring about anyone's critique of me uh probably when I was 15. And there's nothing that any political party, any censorship, any anything can do to keep me from fucking believing what I believe, saying what I say and doing what I do. And I'm not concerned what? about the consequences
0: well, and, and that's what Larry Flint did. And that's why I mean again he the guy got shot. He paralyzed for that. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, and, and you I'll know, tell to you continue.
1: I, I to know do. what's gonna happen. People are gonna listen to our show because we tell the truth and we're honest.
0: Well, yeah, but uh, but that's gonna turn on, you know, being honest in this day and age, and I and I don't want to get into a lot of show because I want the show to be happy lucky and talk about sex and fucking and sports. <laughs> You know, and, and interviews and doing the shit that we do. I mean, that's that's the kind of fucking show I want, you know. But I wanted, I just wanted to do this show today because I, I think I don't know how many people get Larry Flint. Like, how many people? I think most people probably look like fucking naked chicks, you know, whatever, and they don't know, you know, like his principles and everything that he stood for. And I, I you know, if you look back on that, you know, all of these magazines that were out. And they, they looked at him and they came after him they, and they fought, you know, against him more than anybody else. But it's because he, he didn't play the game. He, he yeah. said, listen, this is this is unfair, like like flying to Atlanta to uh, you know, work at, a, at, a, at a, um, a, a magazine store to sell his own magazine and get arrested for it. It was unfair what they yeah. were doing to him. He well, fought, and he I mean, he the envelope, agile, right? like, guy like, was in jail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: people, other magazines were showing like not the open pussy or penetration. And he was just like, I'm going right to the fucking
0: balls out here. Yeah, absolutely. But see, other, even other magazines were kind of doing that too, you know, but for some reason they, they, they really singled him out. And, you know, I mean, think about this. The guy's a multimillionaire. He's got his own private jets or whatever. You know, he's at that situation in his life where he's got he's already got the fuck you money. And he, I mean, he went to jail for a, long, a, a a judge in Ohio sentenced him to like 25 years for peddling this shit. I mean, imagine that. That's a. That's a it's amazing to have that. I mean, just that kind of either belief in yourself or belief in what you're fighting for to leave your million-dollar house and your private jet or whatever to go sit in a in a in a jail cell for a purpose, for yeah. a cause. Yeah. I mean, that's what he did for freedom of speech. I mean, it, it was it's all about freedom of speech with him. And I, I, I constantly go back and I go, what happened? Why? Why, why can't people understand that, okay, fine, I, you don't like it. I get it. There's a lot of people who think that, you know, you shouldn't see people fucking, you shouldn't see that, there shouldn't be whatever, okay? But what makes you think that your belief is the right belief? That's what I'm saying. That's what freedom of speech is. It's like, or expression or whatever, it's like, again, fight tooth and nail for something that you vehemently disagree with that is is what is meant by freedom of speech
1: it's kind of like that tweet I sent out and I mean when I get mad and my friends or or whoever trying to calm me down it's like dude I have righteous indignation like the Holy Spirit is in me and he's pissed about some things okay so uh I basically sent out that tweet, and somebody asked me, "Who is the heathen?" And I go, "Anybody who isn't you." And now <laughs> oh, that, that right. the way it is now, it's like that's how I think of everything. Anyone who isn't me is yeah. the heathen, and they can take it up with God.
0: <laughs> when uh, I like any more like like the, like. I don't know if you want to disclose it or not, but, and like, I mean, did you ever have, any, like, any real interesting conversations with Larry Flint, like, about his life a little bit or about whatever, or was it just strictly a business kind of fuck around thing, or, you know,
1: I mean. Uh, there were, t- I mean, you know, at the parties, it was just small talk, oh, Nick, hey, how you doing? I saw you in this, you know, thanks for coming, stuff like that. We talked about, you know, gambling because he was a big gambler, I liked to gamble. he had the casino. I went there uh talked about Vegas things like that uh but i mean there there were some times where it was more like a mentorship relationship that we had where you know larry kinda i mean Larry wasn't the kind of guy who took any interest in male talent, so the mere uh, right. fact that he took interest in me, I, I appreciated, but, you know, I wasn't exactly sure why. And then, you know, maybe three to four years of knowing the guy, he said to me one time, he's like, Nick, do not ever underestimate your, did he say important? I think he said importance to this industry. And I was like, thanks, Larry. And he's like, no, I mean, he goes, you have uh, done things in this business that other people have like basically strived to do, but uh, found found it and thought it to be impossible. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, well you're one of the few people that came to this business willingly. You already had an established career and your brand is valuable. He goes, those are things that are not easy to, uh, make happen probably because of his experience with right. All the censorship and whatever, and what he, but, uh, he, uh, Larry was like Manning Nation. He was—he thought Dropping Loads was cool. <laughs>
0: like, he wasn't... Did he, I, I, I was, was going to ask...
1: Him, say that in my movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was going to ask you about that. Like, what, what, what was his take on Dropping Loads? Like, he, he liked it? Like, he would laugh about it with you? Uh. Well, yeah, and
1: he would make it known to whoever was directing, like, let this guy do whatever the fuck he wants. Like... Uh, his ideas are better than ours.
0: <laughs> was he? You know, in, in the movie, it seemed like he was really, you know, hands on uh, with everything. I mean, is that really how it was like? Movies, like he was, was, was he hands on with the movies and and things like that? Like he, his uh, input was so there.
1: Honestly, honestly, I never saw him on any of my sets. Now, I'm assuming that was because he was busy doing other things, right?
0: But
1: any time that I was in the office, when he was in the office, um, I would make it a point to, like, drop in and say hi or whatever or let him know I was in the building. Now, he didn't always come out to talk to me, but every now and then he'd be like, yeah, we'd, you know, have a chat.
0: That's amazing. That that, that that's amazing. It, I mean, it really is. And I, I I'm, it, it might seem like phony, I guess, the way I'm I'm sounding about it. But I, as a guy who, who's who made his living, when I first got into radio, I was like, oh, this is radio. This is just fun. This is just something I'm going to do. I you know I noticed because I was outspoken and, and said some shit that was off the wall. People coming after me for things that I had said. You know, and it, it didn't take long for me to be on the front page of newspapers and. You know, I uh, have groups protesting me in front of the radio station and, you know, a lot of that you know, death threats, a lot of that should happen with me. And I, I, that's what, you know, I, I, I looked at that and I'm like, because of what I'm saying, because of what I'm saying, it, it's like it seems so easy. Just if you don't like what's on the radio, turn it off. You know, don't try yeah. to silence somebody. Just turn it off. If there's a television show you don't like, turn it off. You know, if you don't like porn, don't buy porn. It it, it seems like it should be so simple. But everybody is so fucking arrogant that they think their motherfucking opinion is the right one and you're the wrong one. And these cocksuckers don't understand that everybody has a different take. There's not a universal take. (laughs) Like like people talk about, uh, you know, what's obscene? Or you know, it's like what's obscene is different in everybody's mind. That's not a general term. It's not there's not a concise answer to that. What I think is obscene is something that you may think is totally fine. You know, and and, and you have to be able to understand that and respect. And I, getting back to
1: Larry, one of the last. One of the last conversations I probably had with him was about, I don't know, four years ago. And he said to me, he, he was, he kind of got a goofy look in his eye and he said, remember when I told you that you should never underestimate your, Im- it, 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 the word wasn't important, it was impact in this business. And I was like, yeah, right. he goes, well, you, ha- you have a book. You have a biopic and you have a documentary. He goes, "It looks like I was right, young man. And I was like, man." You know, no matter what you think about this guy, his mind is a steel trap that he even remembers this. And then to think that Larry Flint has the foggiest fucking idea what's going on in my career. That just tells you, like, how hands-on he really was in things.
0: Right? That's, and that's, gotta, that's, and that's gotta, my... Is that going to shock you, too? Oh, totally. I was like, this guy, fucking. there's... He's got his own business.
1: He's got casinos. He's gambling like crazy. He's in a wheelchair. He's got, I mean, a life that I can't even fathom, like, what he goes through on a daily basis... And he knows what the fuck I'm doing three years after I got in the Hall of Fame and didn't put out any more material. Wow. Like, kind of not like something I expected. Like, and that was the thing about the guy. Like, I'm walking around stoned and I'm just like, hey, hi, like, want to keep it real, like uh, 36,000 feet. And Larry Flint is delving right into specifics in my life that he foretold 10 years ago. 12 years ago. 15 that's, that's amazing. Years, whatever. And he remembers these right. conversations. That I, I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, now that you mention it, but like, I'm not <laughs> thinking about that when I see you.
0: <laughs> right. That's amazing, man. It's absolutely amazing. These, uh, these these that he had, were they were at his house and, and kind of what were, I, I, I'm really annoyed. I guess I, I would love to go and like to one of these parties one time and just see what, and I'm sure it, it's nothing what I would see it like, I guess. But, you know, I guess when, you know, I've always talked about going to porn parties. These are stupid little parties in a hotel room. But if Larry Flint thro- is throwing a party, you know what? I mean, what's that like? What's a party at Larry Flynn's house well, like? No, I, was not, I don't even know where Larry Flynn lives. I've never
1: been to his house. But oh, uh, okay. it seemed like maybe once a quarter. They're pretty often. Maybe twice a year. I don't know. But they would have parties at, Hus, at the Hustler building on the floor that his office was on. I can't remember what floor it was now. Like, I, it's been so long since I've been over there, but we'd all go up the elevator and get off, and they'd have just like the hallways in the office would have like guys bringing you hors d'oeuvres and couches and uh, paparazzi there taking pictures. And that's where every now and then Larry would get me and take me back in his office and we'd talk <laughs> with some bullshit.
0: Wow, man. That's and then That's he also different- had
1: these, he had these hustler anniversary parties and they would have them like at the Santa Monica airport or somewhere in like plane hangers. Yeah, so those are the ones I remember.
0: Wow, man. And I assume there's a million different. like He couldn't after he got shot, he Fuck anymore. I I know that he was prized from the waist down. I assume he still had a million girls around him and hanging all over him and shit like that, right? I mean, he's he's king when you're there. He's Larry Flint. He's man. So I, I assume he just had a million chicks around him.
1: One of the uh, the girl I did my first adult magazine ever with. Uh, her name was Lori Wallace, and she, for years, was like Larry's uh, like personal escort valet. She, any event, Lori was right there with some other girls. Ah.
0: Uh-huh. So, he, as I'm saying, he always had girls, like they they're always around him and whatever, I assume. I mean, the, the one thing it seemed like with Larry is he liked, he liked who he was. He, he knew who he was and he, and he liked it. And he enjoyed it. He, he reveled in it. Yeah. I mean, I always
1: say now, it's like, what's the incentive for a rich guy to have a lot of money? It's like before, the reason you had a lot of money was because rich guys could get away with all kinds of shit. Now you can't get away with anything, so what do you do with your money?
0: Fuck chicks. That's why everybody wants to be rich. They want to Every guy wants to be rich. No, so because the then they checks, tell
1: honest. you that you fucking jumped them or something. <laughs> like there's some wow. crazy accusation. <laughs> you abused
0: your power. It's like. Well, you got careful. But, yeah, I mean, now you knew, obviously, knowing Larry Flint. Um and I assume you know um what the guy what's his name? Um the who's the guy from, from, from Penthouse? Guc- his name uh, uh Penthouse Guccione. Magazine. Yeah Guccione. yeah Guccione. Um now was there a mutual respect between those three or like, do they, do you know if it was anything like that? Cause it would seem to me again, that Larry Flint was maybe the outcast of that, but I, I, I don't know. No, I mean, one,
1: uh, I knew Larry first. Then okay. by the time I started, I mean, I was already shooting in all the penthouse magazines, but by the time I started shooting penthouse movies, I'm not sure that Guccione ever owned it during my career. I don't remember when he no longer had the company, but, uh, um, I think he might've just been like a figurehead or something by that point. I only met him once or twice. Um, um. and everyone talked about Bob Guccione Jr. I'd never seen hiding or hair of that guy. Wouldn't know him. He was sitting in my office. Uh, now, Hugh, I knew a little bit. I mean, he, I didn't meet him, but I was at the mansion before I'd met Larry because I was dating Playmates. And uh, right. once I started working for Playboy, then i doing that. Uh, what the fuck? Spice Hotel was the name of my show. And it was every Friday night, 50 weeks a year. And I did that for like four or five years straight. And uh, that's how right. I got to be really tight with him. Because right, I was always working for Playboy and get invited to all the stuff. Um, but I never really heard that they had any beef or hung around. I didn't really ever see it happen. Maybe they did.
0: I was just wondering, yeah, I was just wondering, I didn't even hang around, but I guess it's just a mutual respect you know, kind of thing or whatever. I'm just curious, you know, because those those are the three big, big names. I mean, I the biggest name of the bunch, but I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, I couldn't tell you who the publisher is for anything else. Like I said, I couldn't even remember Buccioni. but it, Larry Flint is, is right there. But I think when it comes to, although, you know, I watched a thing on Hugh Hepper too. And I guess we weren't doing the podcast when you you know, a lot of the things he was doing, again, when it came to interracial stuff and, and whatnot and black playmates. Because, again, that was something that was so, it's so fucking weird to even think that that was taboo. I, I, I can't wrap my head around people's mentality when it comes to that shit. But he was doing a lot of that back then. And I think on his television show, when he launched his television show, his late night show, a lot of places weren't going to air it in the South because he had a black girl on with him. And, and he said, fuck it, I, I'm going to do it, you know, because he had the, he had his, his principles, you know, So, but they, it doesn't seem like well, they really came after Hugh Hefner as much as they came after Larry Flint.
1: Part of the reason I knew that these guys at all was, yeah, I was talent and I was in their stuff. So I knew them that way, but where I really got closer to, to, the, to both Hugh and Larry was on the business side because uh, I owned my own product. So the reason that I got, I guess, as famous or as well known as I did was because my movies were shown on cable, DVD, VHS, the internet, And all the hotel rooms and motel rooms around the whole fucking world. Okay? So when I tell people that I'm much more famous uh, internationally than I am in the U.S., that's why. Because somebody was selling my shit to all these territories for their cable channels, their hotel rooms, their specter visions, their whatever black boxes, whatever you fucking were watching (laughs) it on. My movies were prominent in that. So, uh, I don't know if they still have them, but I know that on my cable in California, there was a Hustler channel, maybe several of them. There were Playboy channels, Spice channels, several of them. So, because they were buying my movies... We had a lot more business interaction than just me starring in their movies. Right. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is because of that, I had more opportunities to do stuff with these guys than just like probably your regular male talent.
0: Anything you can you, you from talking to them that you still like use today or a th- thought or you know, um, maybe a monster of the net?
1: Well, I remember Larry told me one time that there was an oligopoly of porn. And, All right. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I don't think he probably thought I knew what he was talking about because he doesn't know that I have a bachelor's degree in economics. So I knew exactly what he was saying. And what I gleaned from that was that Larry and Bob Guccione and Hugh and Steve Hirsch and Steve Ornstein and uh, the guy who owns Sin City probably and a couple others. Adam and Eve, uh, whatever they were, the eight companies that made all the decisions. So it really wasn't a monopoly; it was more like OPEC.
0: Yeah, or you know, it's like the right? mafia and, and, and the and, the, and, the, and the, the mafia and the and the eight families. Yeah, and uh, and uh, here's what I'll tell
1: you about that. And you're the first to say, "I beat life," right? Because yeah, I made a lot of money, <laughs> but let, but let me explain to you. I could make the same movie for playboy or let's then call it a movie. I could shoot the same sex scene for playboy or hustler or penthouse and they would make $600,000 off that sex scene. I take that scene and put it through my distribution system And it's worth 40 grand. Well, yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So that's the big difference. I made a lot of people, a lot of money, and they threw me a bone here and there because they were showing me that they appreciated me and were thankful and... That's what I guess respected most about all these people is uh, they were gracious with me when they didn't need to be.
0: Yeah. When I, I think that's kind of what, what, what I guess, I guess, I guess that's what makes you, you know, I, uh, the kind of person to, to be in that position and be, and to be as, as successful in that position, because you, you, you know, you, you know who uh, you, you kind of, the, I don't want to use the word cater to, but there's certain people that you realize you you you, you got to respect and realize what they do for you kind of thing and, and able to show you that. Like, you know, like they don't walk around like they're gods all the time because they realize they need you. You know, the reason that they're getting the $600,000 a scene is because, you know, you're, you're asking, For it, and they recognize that you're you're the one doing that, you're the one making that money, and they appreciate you, and that's why you said they throw you a bone or or something like that. It really is. It's something that it's funny you talk like this, and you're and and you're right. Like you you did beat life, but you didn't beat life like Hugh Hafner beat life. You didn't beat life. No, (laughs) (laughs) beat life. You you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like. Yeah, I mean to, to take it to well, that's, that that's level. What I'm saying. To take like, it to that
1: level, it's like, <laughs> and I look at it this way: if they hadn't done what they'd done before, I might have even been born.
0: My career may not have existed. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You you really are. I mean have that vision that's what i'm saying to have that like now we can sit back and you know, what do they always say hindsight's 2020 20, so you look or whatever but i, I always try to put myself you know, into the, like their mind when they were initially doing it because there was a time nobody knew what the fuck Hustler magazine was nobody knew like, i was a strip bar owner in cincinnati i mean no nobody whatever but he had that vision and it was such tunnel vision and i i guess just confidence in himself that he never lost focus and he saw a hustler before anybody did, you know, and it's like to have that kind of, I guess, foresight or just work ethic or whatever. It's, it's, it's amazing thing. I mean, you got, it it would have been so much easier for Larry Flint. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Good. Ahead. Tell me.
0: No, uh, I, I, I said it. It would have been so much easier for Larry Flint to have just quit. You know, it's like he, he, it would have been so much. He, he had, again, the president knew about him. He, you know, he's in. He's in, sitting in a jail cell. He's. He's all of this. It would have been much easier for him to to quit. But to have that kind of passion and drive, and I just uh, tenacity to continue to fight through all of that.
1: I is amazing. was just saying this the other day. I was just saying this the other day. I looked at my life, and I could have sat on Wall Street with my feet up on my desk for twenty fucking years, making ridiculous <laughs> amounts of money. And my job would have been to not get fired. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. And then instead, I walked away from that to blaze a very difficult trail. And one thing that Hugh Hefner told me, he said... Don't ever let anyone dissuade you from what you know is right in your business model. And pretty much that's what you're saying about these guys is they fucking knew what they wanted to do. And 70 million people could tell them no, and they didn't give a fuck what you said. Right. Because they knew that their model was correct. And I think about that all the time because look at our business model. Uh, most people wouldn't think I'd be doing this podcast. Most people wouldn't think that I would make you my CEO, right? And someone not in the industry and someone who, I mean, not really a CEO. You're a radio celebrity, right? So I've done that. <laughs> uh, used to be, yeah. The The way that we interact and, I mean, the truth of the matter is we are the, the Nick Manning company is the only vehicle for independent investment in the adult business. And I'll tell you why. I'm the only game in town because the oligopoly of porn is not letting you invest in it. They want to keep that six hundred grand of- seen himself they don't need you right but i will accept you into the fold because what did i tell that guy in the conference call that we just had he goes nick why would you uh allow me input into how we set this up it's like because i, I like to have business partners that have some semblance of expertise because uh i don't sit up here and pretend that I know everything so if you have some connection some advice some whatever uh I'm certainly going to hear you out now am I going to let you persuade me that this is how we're going to put up the content and this is how we're going to clip it up and this is the order we're going to put up and at certain uh membership levels we'll release the more hardcore stuff culminating in the greatest celebrity sex tape of all time no i'm not adjusting any of that but if you say geez there should be a nick manning cologne and my brother is a big shot in the cologne industry well that i'm willing to pursue with you
0: right what's funny nick is uh, you i mean so i
1: would i would you had say a, that the fact that I would just say that our business model at the Nick Manning company is unlike any other business model, an adult. And I know what the business model is. Sign up only fans and fucking put out, uh, that is not how I'm going to operate this. That's about 1% of what we're doing.
0: Right No. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. It's like, um, I should say it's funny, but you you had the, the, the foresight to own your own material, and you saying that you know it, you know it's tough it's tough for people and I did this early in my career too, but sometimes you're so caught up in the moment of it that you're not thinking about you're, you're, you almost feel that that you're you, how can I put this that you are again so caught up in the moment of, of like I, I could go back to my first radio job and I was there I couldn't believe I was signing the contract that I just wanted to get it signed and I wasn't thinking about you know past that moment you know because I didn't know the business nobody taught me the business I had no idea and I'll never forget I signed my first radio contract with no incentives no ratings incentives no no anything I just signed it you know and I remember I, I, dude I was young nobody nobody taught me any of this you know so. I remember telling somebody, they go, "What's your ratings incentive?" I go, "What? What's your this?" I go, well, I had no idea. You know what I mean? But you, you knew. But you, I mean, you came from a again a bachelor's degree in, in economics or whatever. But to own your own material to whatever. So you, I, it almost seems like you went into the porn industry knowing that you were going to turn it, you're going to make it into your own thing and your own business as well. You didn't just go in there for the fun of it. You went in there on a mission to to build your brand too. Is what it seems like.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I had a a definite plan. And here's what I knew. I knew that I had built in advantages that uh, were pretty much none of my doing. For example, there was a company who bought all my movies, not only from us, from everyone, to put them on uh, in hotels and motels and territories all around the world. Millions of hotel rooms. Okay. And I found out through some distributors that worked for me and didn't work for me, but just sold my movies for other companies that this guy had a very firm policy that he wouldn't buy movies that had guys with tattoos in them. Oh, I just happened (laughs) to not have any tattoos. So right. was it the greatness <laughs> of Nick Manning that this guy liked? Or is just like, Oh, there's a guy with no tattoos. Get all his shit. Well, so I started, everything's, everything's got to fall into place. Yeah. And, uh, I realized, yeah, I knew how to model. Cause that's what I did. I was a better actor than everybody in our business because I've acted real things. And, uh, I could fuck the shit out of people like shock and awe. (laughs) And then I realized with the banter I was spewing out that I mean, people fucking thought it was cool. So I said, okay, all these things differentiate my widget, which is my sex scene from everybody else's widget, which is their sex scene. And you know, I guess people might have said, "Well, then you should have only shot for yourself." But that's not what I was doing. One, I shot in everybody's movies because I liked those people. They made good movies and they made really good parts for me, and I had a good time. And I liked working with my friends. However, I was also doing that because I knew that their distribution was very broad internationally. And by being in all those other people's movies, I was gonna be more famous. So when it came down to my widgets that my companies owned, or my product endorsements, or uh, my licensing deals, or whatever it would have been, uh, we could make more money because I was more famous. So when you look at the strategy, it wasn't all that complex. Now, where I had the right. advantage that made it, made what we're doing now relevant is okay, I haven't released any material since I went in the Hall of Fame in 2014. I've shot a bunch of shit and I had the financial wherewithal to hold on to it. And now it's way more valuable, one, because we have a podcast, but two, because no one's seen any new material of me for seven years. Right so the goal the goal here is with all those advantages now our investors are poised to make a lot of money right i've always started up my companies with venture capital and these guys are just on the gravy train to the next nick manning company buyout <laughs> because eventually someone's going to come go, along man and be like, well, yeah, Manning, this shit fucking rocks. You set up the whole infrastructure. Uh, you have a totally different idea, and we'll buy you out of your shit for three times uh, your next 5 years' sales. Okay.
0: That sounds like a plan. I, I, I like that idea. That's, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> I like that. Investors, are you listening? There you go. <laughs> it would be a brilliant move for you to come on board, a brilliant move. All right. Well, listen, man, I, I like I said, I, I just wanted to get on, you know, I, I just felt it was, and I, I don't even think I ever expressed that's you about how, how much admiration I had for Larry Flint. You know, I, you know, there was so much shit going on. No, we never talked I, about I, I, it. Really. I, the, the, yeah. It never really, really came up, but I just threw it. I, I really want people to hear this. When you hear this podcast, you know, listen to those words that, you know, Larry you know, Larry Flint said, and his lawyer said, and in, the, in these fucked-up times that we're living in and they are fucked-up times, you're, the, the, the true definition of freedom of speech is fighting for something that you, you detest, because it, it's, it's the right thing, it's the freedom. Of it. You might think it's disgusting. Watch the movie, the people versus Larry Flint. And, you know, again, he's saying, I think it's disgusting what Larry Flint does. But who am I? Who am I to dictate? That's not what our forefathers said. That's not what they put in the Constitution. Fight for something that you disagree with, because that person has the exact fucking rights that you have to say it, to do it. And it, it, we have lost that. We, I'm telling you, we have, and and it, it drives me insane because that's how I'm, I'm, I make a living doing that. And it's something that I've always felt very passionately about. And again, going back to that scene, like I always bring it up, where he's showing, it, it, it never made any sense to me why you could go in, in any magazine and see it's a dead body, but but you show a picture of a beautiful fucking pussy, you know, and it's like. Holy! Like we would rather our children see death and murder than 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 a, a boo. People got so outraged over a uh, half a second of Janet Jackson's tit at the Super Bowl. You're so incensed over that. But watch the evening news and see what you see in the evening fucking news. What would you What would you rather your kids have? Uh, admiration for the human body, God's creation a beautiful specimen or ter- or, or take away the, the destruction of that beautiful specimen. It doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense.
1: Yeah. And it drives
0: me insane. You, you, Your point there
1: is spot on, dude. And, you know, to wrap this up, you know, Hugh and Larry always seemed old to me from the moment I ever met them. So, I mean, in my mind, I thought these guys were dying the whole time I knew them. Yeah, so well. <laughs> pretty early on into my relationship with them, I let them know that I was thankful for what they'd done to, uh, set up the business so that I could thrive in it. And, and, I was thinking, you did, like, you, you if you I them? see either one of those. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, like, always really, like, under. I was, like, I let them know that I knew that without them, I don't exist. Right? And that, well, I was awesome. thinking yesterday, like, what would be the thing I would say to either of them if I had another chance to. And it's like, dude, you already said it. You told them in 2002 what you believed about what they did.
0: No, that's awesome. You, you're in a, a pretty amazing position to have known, you know, uh, Hugh Hefner and, and Larry Flint. You really, you, you really are. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's just a, a wild position to have been in. And I, I always felt that something would be taken away from them because it was, it was dealing with sex, you know, so they wouldn't be taken as seriously, but it, 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 ta- it doesn't matter. Take take it out of it. They they fought for freedoms. They they fought for, for the Constitution, and freedom of expression. They did, yeah. and they and they raised a lot of va- a lot of valid points. Yeah. And that's why I have I have so much admiration and respect. You know for, for those guys, I, I really do. So, listen, man. I th- thank you for coming on. Obviously, I mean, it's, you know, dropping loads with Manning and Mo. And I know this was kind of quick. I called you yesterday. I, I I even I even texted you. I said, "Tech, call me. It's important." Because I, I wanted to do this. I, I just did. I, I felt in any way I could do it a little to Larry Flint because I I, I truly respect that. Man. I, I really did. And then and, and the fact that you knew him and everything I thought was wild. So uh, Nick Manning, of course, adult film superstar, uh, avian hall of famer. You could right now go to at real Nick Manning on Fan Centro, at real Nick Manning on many bids, and at real Nick Manning on Just for Fans. We've got clips up there. Um, there, there's ways for you to interact. If there's a certain scene you want, if we get, when we get to 50,000 followers or subscribers, uh, then we'll release the, uh, all of this, uh, all of these scenes, all this content that you've never seen that, that Nick has. So of course you can follow him at real Nick Manning um, at dropping loads. MM is uh, where you could follow the, uh, the Twitter for this podcast as well. And if you want to shoot us an email, dropping, uh, dropping loads with Manning and Bo at gmail.com like and subscribe to the podcast as well and it's brought to you by the body shop in uh, canton ohio and and in pittsburgh pennsylvania swingers clubs where you can go fuck people for fun again people want to say that that's wrong but what fucking is fun nick (laughs) fucking is fun <laughs> so let's go That's do it we all got Who you. gives a shit what everybody else says? It. Exactly, you're absolutely right. There would be no Nick Manning if your parents fuck. You ever ask yourself what position was used when you were conceived?
1: <laughs> I don't want to. I know you, think I know about you don't want to that. think
0: about that. <laughs> Here's a good question, Nick. You want to know how fucked up my mind is? And we'll end the podcast with this thought. You ever think about? Your mother ever gave your dad a blowjob when she was pregnant with you? Because if that's the case, oh. and she swallowed. You swallowed your dad's cum.
1: <laughs> well, th- I am my dad's cum. <laughs> am I not? <laughs> good,
0: good point. You are. Oh, yeah, I swallow it. I was formed <laughs> you out. You are you. <laughs> <laughs> so bas- so basically that's, that's, that's like, uh, that's like being a cannibal. <laughs> it's what it is. You're a cannibal. You're, 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 you're basically consuming yourself. <laughs> uh, this is, this is how fucked up else, my mind uh, is. This, uh...
1: you, yeah. I would never have <laughs> thought of this without you. Is anybody else requested? Oh, dude, I, I,
0: I uh, you know what? I, I have, I have a, the guy said, thank you very much. That you said it to, i I'll have to go check your uh, messages to see if anybody else has. But if you want a Bible, Nick will send you a Bible. Sign it. You could buy Nick Manning is book too, obviously. Um, it loads, and you could buy that at Real Tylo Duran on, uh, on on Twitter as well at Real Tylo Duran. So
1: there you go. Oh, speaking of that, uh, when VP of Business Development Tylo Duran gets around to it. She's going to be putting the book for sale on many vids and Fan Centro and just for fans. She said some of those had stores in them. So it'll work out perfectly for all these folks. And I have one Bible left. Anybody who wants it, let us know and I'll mail it out to you free.
0: All right. Sounds good. All right. Drop loads with Manning and. Mo, I'll talk to you later, brother.
1: Okay, see you, Mo.